engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. It's 5:10. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. You, you know we're really we're playing the wrong song today. We yeah we we really need to be doing this one. That's right, folks. Game of Thrones. I mean, more people have died in this season of Trump's White House than have been killed in Game of Thrones over the last five years. I mean, we've got in just the last week alone, we've got Spicer is is beheaded. We got Reince is beheaded and Scaramucci today. I mean, taken out to the gallows. I mean, it, it, you need, this makes up for a well, I better not say that because some of you haven't seen last night's of my favorite character died. But she died gloriously. <laughs> Y'all. Scaramucci. Okay, so let me set this up for you. If you're just tuning in, Anthony Scaramucci gone 10 days later. I've got to give just a massive tip of the hat to Kate Hudson, the actress, who this afternoon actually tweeted out a Photoshop version of her movie, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, and had Photoshopped Scaramucci and Trump's heads in the movie poster. <laughs> he was escorted by security guards from the White House grounds, Scaramucci was. Not only was Scaramucci escorted by security guards from the White House grounds, but Sean Spicer was in his office as they drafted the statement that he had been ousted, that Scaramucci had been ousted. <laughs> this is, I mean, wow. Yes, Scaramucci gone. Uh, John Kelly in. Now, I do not think it is a coincidence at all in any way, shape, or form that there is a leak out today designed to put the president at odds with John Kelly, his new chief of staff. Let's rewind a little bit. Rewind the tape. John Kelly, the president's secretary of Homeland Security, a distinguished Marine general, retired, comes back for Homeland Security, has been appointed by the president to be chief of staff. A leak this afternoon against John Kelly is that uh, he was so upset with the president for the way he fired James Comey, he not only called James Comey to express his outrage, but he also considered quitting. Think about that for a minute. And can I also, can I say the press is, well, they're openly admitting today that most of their links are leaks from the White House are coming from Jared and Ivanka and not from other people in the White House. Consider that. By the way, um, if you have the WSB traffic app, you can also get these push alerts uh, from Doug and the Triple Team Traffic, which I have. Uh, I've got it on my phone, and you get these little push alerts. Uh, let me see. Where's I, I've had several of these today as traffic happens. And the cool thing about it is that you can put your route in. Now, this is not the WSB radio app. This is WSB traffic app. You put your route in it, and it gives you the triple team traffic uh, readout from there. And you can designate an area of the city, and you can get real-time traffic updates in that area of the city. So you're in metropolitan area, not, not even just the city. If you're out in suburbia as well, uh, really, really handy. Now, 
Okay, so what does this mean? What is it? the Scaramucci firing really doesn't mean anything other than General Kelly is now in charge of the White House. Sarah Huckabee Sanders this afternoon says now that the entire White House staff will report to him. And a reporter asked if that included Jared and Ivanka, and she reiterated everyone will report to General Kelly. So if that is to be believed, and I don't really believe it, Jared and Ivanka will as well have to go through General Kelly to get to their father, father-in-law. That's going to be an interesting dynamic if that's the case. And I don't know how you can force that because uh, the president is a guy who likes to be surrounded with people and uh, the family is going to be around him all the time. It's not like he's not going to see his family, so they're going to be able to get to him. Um, so I think they're probably going to be the two exceptions. But Steve Bannon, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Kellyanne Conway, uh, the rest of them, everybody's going to have to go through General Kelly. Now, here's the interesting bit of gossip coming out of the White House this afternoon. Forgive me, Lord, my sin, gossip. The I am told that Anthony Scaramucci was in a meeting with General Kelly, and General Kelly informed everyone that they would go through him to get to the president, and Scaramucci interrupted him and said, I don't report to you, at which point General Kelly looked at Anthony Scaramucci and said, you're gone. And that was it. And he didn't take it well. You know, I would almost feel bad for the guy if he wasn't such a... <laughs> I mean, his his wife divorced him last week because of his obsession with the president. She had a baby, and he couldn't even see the baby in the hospital. He sold his company uh, to be able to take a job at the White House. He was blocked by Reince Priebus. He gets a job at the White House. Uh, Priebus goes out the door after he gets the job, and now he's out of a job. It would be delicious irony if Reince Priebus was hired back as the communications director for the White House. It really would. Um, it, <laughs> whoever had the Deadpool on Anthony Scaramucci for 10 days made a mint. I mean, this is just Wow. Scaramucci gone. Now, what does this mean on a practical day-to-day basis? It means nothing because the president is not giving up his Twitter account. The president is still going to have his Twitter accounts, can still bypass uh, the whole office. In fact, I had a friend of mine last night say they really shouldn't have a communications director in the White House because the president is going to undermine whoever it is the moment he goes on Twitter and says something that contradicts official White House narrative. So one of the questions that I've got, and we will find out in the coming days, is can General Kelly convince the president to surrender his phone? Can the general convince the president that he should stop tweeting for his own good and that of the country. Uh, You should know that the Pentagon this afternoon has announced that it still has not been instructed by the White House uh, to halt the transition of transgender uh, sailors, soldiers, and uh, Marines into the military. The military is still proceeding with it, despite the president tweeting out that he intended to stop it. Why? Because there's a official way the president has to do it with the military, and he hasn't done it. So as far as the military is concerned, the president has ordered nothing. So a great big headline that might actually accomplish nothing. Uh, It's interesting to see all the seals clapping and whatnot, and nothing's going to happen by it. It's just... 
This whole White House is funny. This morning, the president tweeted out there was no chaos at the White House, and he gave several good economic signs as an indicator that uh, there was no chaos at the White House, and then Scaramucci fired. I guess there's no, I mean, Trump supporters, of course, believe that this is some uh, multidimensional chess and the president is a strategic genius and is controlling the media narrative by doing this. Hello there. It is 26 after the hour. Eric Erickson here, y'all. I've got to, I'm not even going to delve deep into this, but I just, I got to, there's a, there's a website out there that people actually take seriously. It's part of the whole Gawker media nonsense. And the headline, Sunday's Game of Thrones was a message to black America. Yeah. Yep. For three weeks... We have preached about how Game of Thrones teaches us everything we need to know about white America. So this week, you might expect us to joke about how Sansa should have cooked for Bran when he came home from that long trip. Or how Euron Greyjoy is turning into Anthony Scaramucci. I bet you just knew we would have an extended discussion about the scene where, well, I won't tell you that because of spoilers. Instead, this week, the Game of Thrones writers created an episode that spoke in coded language, dropping jewels only black people could pick up. While there are too many to name, here are the major keys dropped. Who watches a TV show about ice zombies and dragons and reads into it race culture in America? By the way, you do all realize, those of you who watch Game of Thrones, that the White Walkers are actually the protagonists. Everybody else is the bad guy. They're the heroes of the show. They're going to restore order to a Westeros that is just fighting each other. But seriously, I mean, who does this? It's like CNN. So CNN has a tweet out, a, a, a tweet related to a news story that a transgender man has delivered a, a, a wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. I got, I'm sorry. I got to pull up my Twitter account because you got to, I got to read this tweet exactly as it appeared. This is from CNN, a direct quote. Transgender man assigned the female gender at birth gives birth to a healthy baby boy. There is so much wrong with that one sentence. First of all, so in other words, a woman gave birth to a healthy baby boy. Yawn, as someone said earlier. But but notice this. They include the assigned the female gender at birth. How dare they do that? And then CNN assigns gender to the baby the transgender man had. Holy moly. (laughs) Y'all, it's a mental health issue. Transgender man assigned the female gender at birth gives birth to healthy baby boy. Crazy. I'm Eric Erickson. This is WSB. The phone number is 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let's go to the phones. Randy in Athens, you are up first. Welcome. Randy, are you there? Well, let's see. 
Well, uh, Randy, let's see if we can figure out what's going on here. The All the volumes are up. I don't know. We'll see. But Randy raises a question that I'm getting a lot of people asking me on social media and on email about what's next for the health care bill. And I will tell you what's next for the health care bill. Tax reform. That's right. The Senate is moving on. They're abandoning it. Mitch McConnell, in theory, says he is one vote shy of passage. One vote shy. That's what he says. That's what he claims. Can we all just be honest here for a moment? Because nobody's pointing this out. I think I'm the only person who has pointed this out. I don't mean that braggingly. I just mean I think I'm the only person who's pointed this out. That... Mitch McConnell is from a state, Kentucky, that expanded Medicaid under Obama. And as they expanded Medicaid under Obama, more and more people in Kentucky went on an Obamacare, went into an Obamacare exchange. So if Mitch McConnell were really serious about getting rid of Obamacare, it could potentially, under the Republican plan, harm the people of Kentucky who are decided to go on Obamacare. So do you really think he intends to get rid of Obamacare? I I don't I don't really think he does. Let's try this again. Randy, you there? I am here. I apologize. That's all right. Uh, listen, uh I appreciate your opinion. Uh what is it and why is it that the those who we voted for cannot make a decision on this particular bill. I mean, is oh, it- see, no, 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 no. I got to correct you there. They have made a decision, and they're just trying to get you to think they haven't made a decision. They 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 don't want to repeal Obamacare, but they don't want you to know they don't want to repeal Obamacare. So they're making it look like they just can't come to an agreement. Okay. Because and why would that be? Why have they not talked to their constituents and said, "This is what you want, and this is why you voted for me, and I'm going to do it for you." Well, because the, when you got Rob Portman, Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, John McCain, Dean Heller, uh, they view their position as uh, they they don't take a poll of their voters. They believe they what? know what's best for their voters. And they believe that if they were to repeal Obamacare in their states, it would harm their states. And so they're not going to do it, even though I disagree with them. Now, the the horrifying thing, Randy, is that these guys all campaigned on repealing Obamacare. Every single one of them campaigned on repealing Obamacare. Uh, And deep down, I think they realized they didn't actually want to do it. Um, Or essentially, they wanted to say they wanted to repeal Obamacare without actually repealing it. Uh, That's essentially what it amounts to hypocrisy on their parts. Uh, They've been lying to us for seven years. So the Senate Republicans would like to move on to tax reform, and allegedly the president is going to get them to move on to tax reform, except the president on his Twitter account, and this is what I'm getting with, with General Kelly and Twitter, is the White House message is that it's time to move on to tax reform. White House advisors uh, are saying that the president is pushing Congress to enact tax reform. They expect it to pass the House of Representatives by the end of September and then expect it to pass the Senate by November. That is that is the official line. Mark Short, who's the head of legislative affairs for the White House, that is his line, that it'll pass the House by the end of September, it'll pass the Senate by the end of November. That is the official White House line, that this is the week that they get serious about tax reform. 
the problem is that the president on his personal Twitter account is is tweeting about health care and telling Mick Mulvaney, the office management budget director, to push Congress to continue to vote on health care. And the president's threatening to cut Obamacare benefits for Congress, which he should do. For those of you who don't remember, uh, the Office of, of Management and Budget decided to classify Congress as a small business. And by classifying Congress as a small business, they allowed congressional members and staff on Obamacare to take advantage of tax credits from the District of Columbia, paid for by federal taxpayers uh, as a flow through to the District of Columbia's uh, federal exchange. So we are subsidizing their health care to an extent that we weren't meant to because Barack Obama decided to classify Congress as a small business. So the president is thinking of taking that classification away, which I think he ought to do. And there's a push now in the White House to get him to do it, uh, which would open a bag of worms, but it would also increase pressure dramatically on members of Congress and their staff to um, pursue this. Because do you really think that Congress is going to sue the president? I mean, individual staffers might try to sue the president over this. Uh, Good luck to them trying. I'm sure they can find a sympathetic federal judge, but it looks like the president's going to go down this route, uh, which would essentially be declaring war on Congress if he did it. Uh, There are some Republicans even in Congress, though, who wish he would. Uh, Meanwhile, though, the official line is tax reform. That's what they want to consider next. Whether or not they do, God only knows. It's 54 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson here on WSB with Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Dean and Noonan, you are next. Welcome. Hello, Eric. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing fine. You were just talking about Mitch McConnell um, kind of being afraid that Kentucky's really expanded their Medicare. But if he follows Trump's economic plan, and I believe in it, that he could greatly expand jobs, there wouldn't be any need for all the Medicaid. So why doesn't he push that angle? Well, I don't know that anyone has really pushed that with him. Uh, And the fact of the matter is he still wants to move on to tax reform. And then there's this underlying rumor that I think increasingly looks like it's legit that McConnell actually struck a deal with Schumer to ensure that Obamacare repeal would not pass, uh, and that in exchange, uh, Schumer would allow Trump's nominees to go through, and uh, they would work on tax reform together, propping up Obamacare. Uh, that that appears to be a deal. Now, how do I? Why do I say that? Well, uh, look at what's happened. So Obamacare failed to be repealed by McConnell, and. Suddenly, Schumer let all of the president's executive nominees go through. I guess you haven't heard that news because it hasn't been well publicized. Uh, But the Senate Democrats have blocked all of their remaining holds on the president's executive branch nominees, who will be moved forward rapidly in the Senate now for confirmation votes. Hmm. So we got all of that. And we got tax reform, and they're headed towards tax reform. And you've already got a bipartisan gang of however many in the Senate working on it. I really think the fix was in the whole time. I think that we have all been lied to. 
I think McConnell had no interest in repealing Obamacare. You know, that leads me to the Alabama Senate race. You know, there's a special election in Alabama to replace Jeff Sessions. Luther Strange is the guy who was appointed to the seat. He's fighting to hold on. And Mo Brooks and Roy Moore are his opponents. Roy Moore, the former chief justice in Alabama, several friends of mine are working for him. Uh, Mo Brooks has the support of a number of conservatives. Brooks looks like he's in third place, though. Roy is in second place, maybe first. Uh, Beating Luther Strange would probably be the best thing imaginable uh, to send them shot across the bow of Mitch McConnell's boat, uh, to defeat the guy he wants, Carl Rove apparently telling people that he's going all in for Luther Strange. Beating Luther Strange would be a great, great way to rally conservatives against Mitch McConnell and let him know just how much they expect Obamacare to be repealed. Uh, Mo Brooks, of course, is campaigning, saying he absolutely will not support Mitch McConnell as leader, which could put him in a very interesting position. It is 610. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. If you want to get the daily email I send out, uh, text WSB to 444-999. That's the letters, no spaces between them. WSB to the number 444-999. And you will be subscribed to my daily email where you would have seen... This polling conducted by Democrats for Democrats. Folks, it turns out there's something Americans dislike more than Donald Trump. That would be Democrats. And I do mean that intentionally. And you, you should know there, there are a couple of old people uh, who listen to this show who apparently can't figure out how to change the dial. And uh, they complain every time I say people don't like the president. And it's just a certifiable fact And polling shows it. In fact, polling shows that the people who like the job the president is doing don't like the president. Think about that one for a minute. They, this is very Bill Clinton-esque. You know, it was in Bill Clinton's tenure as president that pollsters had to break apart uh, the polling. It used to be before Bill Clinton that you could ask, what do you think of the president? And people would give you an answer that was verifiable based on elections data. But after Bill Clinton, strange things started happening, and it turned out that people did not personally like the president, but they really liked the job he was doing. And people were willing to stick with Bill Clinton because they liked the job he was doing, even though they thought he was a a womanizing person who didn't treat his wife well. The same thing's happening with Donald Trump. Trump supporters like the job he's doing. Uh, They're frustrated with him. They're frustrated with his message discipline. They're frustrated with these things. That translates as don't like in the polls, but it translates as like his job performance. Now, you may not like his job performance, um, but you don't count. And what I mean by that is, well, we're in a state that went Donald Trump. It may not have gone as easily as it went for Mitt Romney, Republican, uh, but it's a Republican state. And California doesn't count, and New York doesn't count, and Washington, D.C. doesn't count, and Massachusetts doesn't count. What counts are the swing states. And in the swing states, more particularly what counts are the counties the president won. And the president is at or above 50% in those counties. 
which suggests there are people who still like him. But what's more interesting is the data about the Democrats and how Democrats in the districts they will need to win to take back Congress are disliked more than the president. Let's see, where is this? Uh, oh, this is interesting. Economic impact is staggering. 20% of men in the United States make a very good living driving something from one place to another. That's interesting. Uh, and this is a related to driverless cars, which is something that's impacting these Trump voters, the, these Obama voters who voted for Donald Trump, is workforce automation happening out in Seattle. I'll get to that here in a second. I got something in the stack of stuff, but let me just let me read you this polling data. In fact, on Twitter, if you follow me at E.W. Erickson, I'm going to tweet this out right now, this link to the piece I wrote at the research this morning. Again, if you want to get stuff like this in your inbox, just text the letters WSB to 444-999. Send this out on Twitter right now. This is uh, Josh Crashour from the National Journal, highlighted this poll by Stan Greenberg, who is a Democratic pollster. Uh, And it says this, the polls surveyed working class white voters in pivotal districts that Democrats are targeting in the midterms. Despite the Trump turmoil in Washington, Republicans held a 10 point lead on the generic ballot, 43 to 33, among these blue collar voters. Democrats hold a whopping 61% disapproval rating among these voters, while only 32% approving. Even Trump's job approval rating is a respectable 52% with the demographics in these swing districts. Consider that for a minute. The president's job approval is above 50% of these districts, and Democrats are not liked. And there is a reason for this, and it's highlighted by what's happening to the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee today. The DCCC is the body of the Democratic Party that elects Democrats to the House of Representatives. And it is the body that is going to have to compete in these swing districts where 61% of voters hate Democrats, even though the media would tell you that the Republicans are in serious danger. It turns out that There's a great exit poll data point that explains all of this, and it still bears true today. During the exit polling, if you remember the night of the election, the exit polling was wrong. But it was wrong because it was weighted inaccurately. Based on the model of who was showing up, it turned out that this was a super high turnout, but it turned out that blue-collar white voters were turning out at numbers that people hadn't seen before, and they discounted it. It also turned out that Donald Trump was getting more black and Hispanic voters than people predicted. So when they reweighted the exit polls, turns out that of Barack Obama voters, and I'll keep this in mind, let's keep this straight, Barack Obama voters, so people who voted for Barack Obama, who then voted for Donald Trump, Obama voters who voted for Trump, a majority of them, the reason they voted for Donald Trump is because they thought Hillary Clinton was more interested in putting men in their daughter's bathrooms than putting people back to work. That is not made up. That is the Edison exit polling. You can go see it for yourself. That Obama voters who voted for Trump, in other words, Democrat voters who voted for Donald Trump, were frustrated that the Democrats seemed more interested in fighting a culture war than fighting an economic battle for unemployed workers. And that's bearing true now. In the Democratic polling of why Democrats are hated, these blue-collar voters, and I should emphasize, because it's not getting enough emphasis, that there is a statistically significant number of black and Hispanic voters who also feel the same way, uh, 
that Democratic voters are more interested and Democratic politicians are more interested in making you turn off your air conditioner to fight global warming, making you deal with men in your daughter's bathroom, and forcing Christians to bake cakes for same-sex weddings. That turns out to be turning off voters. And let's go back to the DCCC today. The DCCC, the chairman of the DCCC today, said that it would support candidates who were pro-life. So if there's a Democrat who is a Democratic nominee for a congressional district in one of these swing state areas that is pro-life, the Democratic Party will support them, which shouldn't sound like a big deal. But Howard Dean today is coming out saying he's going to stop giving money to the DCCC. Uh, Activist Democrats are today outraged that the DCCC would dare support a pro-life candidate. Now, that should tell you again there's more diversity of ideas on the Republican side than the Democratic side. You are vastly more likely to find a pro-abortion, pro-gay marriage Republican than you are to find a pro-life, pro-traditional marriage Democrat out there. The Republican Party has a greater diversity of ideas and tolerance on these issues than the Democratic Party allows. And I know you're not supposed to say these things, and I know the media doesn't cover these things, but it's true. There are many more pro-abortion Republicans out there than there are pro-life Democrats. There are many more pro-gay marriage Republicans out there than there are pro-traditional marriage Democrats. And that's going to come back and haunt the Democratic Party. And this Democratic polling is showing that the American public outside of California, New York, Boston, and D.C. hates the Democratic Party. And they do so greater than they dislike the president. One they dislike, the other they hate. Twenty-five after the hour. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. So Seattle has decided to raise the minimum wage for everybody to $15 an hour. You, you know, in the federal minimum wage law and in the law in the city of Seattle, there is an exception to the minimum wage. And that is someone who is physically or mentally disabled can be hired for less than the minimum wage. The thinking behind that is that there are people in the country who can do jobs, uh, but for their disability, they probably cannot do them quite as well as you or I might do, uh, but can still do them competently, and work is good for the soul and good for the body. So we should hire these disabled people who are able to work uh, and employers are given the incentive to hire them knowing they might not be as proficient as, as someone not disabled and they're given the incentive by being able to hire them at a cheaper wage. The result is that there are very many more disabled people employed in this country than there otherwise would be. Uh, Grocery stores in this country are one of the industries that benefit from this significantly. Uh, My Publix grocery store across the street from my house hires a number of people who are disabled. And I actually did not realize at the time that they were probably taking advantage of this law, but they may be. Uh, As a result, however, these disabled people have a sense of self-worth. They are able to provide for themselves and take care of themselves, and Publix gets good workers uh, who care about their job because they can work. The city of Seattle has decided to get rid of the, um, the lower wage rate for disabled workers in the name of equality. 
They want a disabled worker to be paid $15 an hour just like everybody else. Now, I hope you're seeing right up front the problem here. There is an inherently unequal situation here. A disabled person is not equal to a fully capable person at work. And I realize that may offend some people in, in saying it that way, but it is the truth. A mentally disabled person is not equal to a person without mental disability when it comes to doing certain jobs. Uh, and we should want that person to work, and we should be willing to accept we're probably going to have to pay less in order to incentivize an employer hiring them. What's going to happen is you're going to have a whole lot of disabled people who have jobs right now being let go because of this. Uh, when work gives people a sense of self-worth, it is liberalism at its worst. After the hour, Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Amy in Covington, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Um, if they raise the minimum wage, what are these companies going to do to raise the quality of the service that we're getting? Because presumably that at $15 an hour, they're paying more, they would expect more from their employees, correct? Oh, Maybe? you would think so. Well, you know what's happening, actually, I mean, we can look at Seattle and see what's happening. Younger people are losing jobs and older retirees are coming back into the workforce. Um, and that's the problem people forget is nine, over 90%, it used to be 98, now I think it's 91% of people who get make minimum wage are young, are less than 21 years old, and they get minimum wage as a starter job and get some experience and they move on to a higher paid job. Uh, it used to be that it was 98% of people making the minimum wage were, um, were young, and that's not the case after the Obama economy. Now, because of Obamacare, where people are incentivized to employers are incentivized to not let people work 40 hours a week, you got a bunch of people working 37 and a half hour weeks and they're making a minimum wage, uh, but it's still over 90 percent. The problem is that employers don't want this. It is social justice warriors who want this. And in areas where social justice warriors are in charge, like Seattle, a great uh, bastion of leftism, they do this. And what's happening is poor people are becoming poorer as a result. Why? Well, take, for example, the hotel industry in Seattle. Hotel workers are having their benefits cut to offset the $15 an hour price. Uh, hotel workers are in some cases losing their jobs. Young people are losing their jobs. Uh, the biggest impact on this is being felt in young black men. Young black men around the country, when the minimum wage goes up, are the hardest hit because they are the ones that are the first to be dropped by employers or the last to be hired by employers. That is just the reality of it. And the social justice warrior would say, well, I mean, racism, we, we got to do this. No, the problem is really experience more than anything else. Uh, and employers want experience. If they're going to pay $15 an hour, they're going to do one of two things. They're going to hire a seasoned worker or they're going to hire a robot, which is happening more and more. McDonald's and Burger King going to automated kiosks to take your order. Uh, it's going to increase the more the minimum wage increases. I'll tell you one way, one place it's probably not going to work, though, is 
driving. I'm sorry, but I am a firm believer that the automated car is all hype and isn't real and isn't even on the horizon. So roughly 10% of American men in this country have a job that requires them to shuttle cargo across the country in vehicles. You go automated, you've wiped out employment for 10% of the men in this country. But I don't think it's going to happen. And I really, this is the, listen, even Tesla, the much-hyped Tesla, which, which causes environmental damage in third-world countries, so they're given a pass uh, with the extraction of lithium and rare, metal, rare earth metals and everything else for their cars. Uh, Tesla gets a pass from the left because they're electric cars and they're cool. But the reality is that Tesla pollutes just as much as a Camry when you take into effect the extraction of all the minerals to build their batteries and everything else. Tesla pollutes. Oh, and guess what? Where does Tesla, how does Tesla power itself? fossil fuels i mean it's not unicorn farts that are powering this car you've got to plug the battery in somewhere and get electricity from somewhere and where's the electricity coming from coal more likely than not tesla pollutes elon musk just has this 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 i I don't know distortion field around him like steve jobs in any event even the tesla which has the textbook example of the automated car you still have to have your hands on the steering wheel because it could cut out on you and but guess what? It requires lines on the road and everything. So you're out in rural America. You're out in dirt roads in South Georgia. The car is not going to be able to drive itself. Now, there are UPS vehicles. I'm sure UPS would love to automate its driving. But UPS delivers everywhere. Is it suddenly going to stop delivering on roads that don't have painted lines? Is it going to stop delivering on the rural byways of Georgia? No, it's not. You're going to need drivers. I think the automated car stuff is just hype. It is hype by futurists, by the people who believe that we're all going to be dominated by our robot overlords one day. It is the, the craziest darn thing to me. The less somebody believes in God, the more they'll believe in anything else, including the rise of the robot army that's going to enslave us because we're somehow capable of doing that. I uh, yeah, whatever. Hello there. It is 53 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. Can we go back to, I mean, not physically back to Dunkirk, but the movie Dunkirk, which I went to see, which if you haven't gone to see, you really do need to go see this movie. It really is a phenomenal movie. Um, So well done. And so I was listening to, to Jonathan Last earlier today, Jonathan Last of the Weekly Standard, and He's saying he he absolutely hated this movie. He he went to the theater and he sat all the way in the back and he turned on the camera on his phone so that he could actually watch it from the IMAX screen onto his phone because that's what millennials do these days. And he's really upset about the lack of a World War II character universe. And uh, he sat through the entire movie and the credits and there was no post-credit scene of like the superheroes talking to each other humorously. <laughs> now, he was being facetious, but um, the funny thing about this is the people who are so critical of this movie, like the Marie Claire magazine, the social justice warriors have just taken over all of the, these magazines that cater to women. Uh, Cosmo, uh, Marie Claire, you name it. 
and they are outraged that there aren't enough women and minorities in Dunkirk. And one of them actually declared that this movie was a super secret closet celebration of the fascist election of Donald Trump. Who reads stuff like this into a movie like that? The true story of men stranded on a beach for a week trying to get away from the Nazis, who you don't really even see in the movie. You don't see the faces of Nazis until the very end of this movie. They're just a, 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 uh, my buddy Dan McLaughlin at, at National Review said a horror story. You don't see the bad guy. The bad guys, they're hiding in the shadows, waiting to drown you. And the social justice warriors are, have just come unhinged over this movie, which is insane to me. It is a really good movie. If you've not gone to see it, it's again, I think, leading the box office this week, or it is, it's very near the top of the box office. It's done way better than even the, the, producers of the movie expected to do more than the Hollywood studio expected to do. But the outreach is like the, the story I mentioned earlier on Game of Thrones, that apparently Game of Thrones is coded messages for white people. But this episode last night was a coded message for black people. I don't have enough time in the day to interpret stuff like this. This is one reason I hate a lot of cinema critics and, and literature critics is they want to discuss what are the subtle secret themes in the transgender lesbian hermaphroditic community of this book, To Kill a Mockingbird? I, I, who cares? I, I guarantee you Harper Lee didn't write it for the lesbian transgender hermaphroditic community. But yet that's what they want to do. I swear to you, I would not hire a person who got a degree in, in the, these victim studies whether it's women and gender studies or Hispanic studies or African-American studies or puppetry arts or you name it. I mean, we actually had somebody one time complaining that they wanted Obamacare because they got a degree in puppetry arts and they couldn't find a job. Well, there's not so many places you can get a job where you learn to shove your hand up a stuffed animal unless you want to become a proctologist. And yet these are the people who we are relying on for our future. And they read crap like this Marie Claire article where I just you should go see Dunkirk, not let the social justice warriors win. Go see it. <laughs>